Chapter 5 of the Boy Scouts Along the Susquehanna. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Boy Scouts Along the Susquehanna by Herbert Carter. Chapter 5. The Camp in the Haymow. There's a farmhouse over yonder, Thad. A night's coming on pretty fast now, called out Davy Jones later on, after the expedition had covered several more miles of ground and seemed to be descending an incline that would very likely shortly take them to the bank of the winding Susquehanna. I hope we decide to bunk in a haymow, not out in the open tonight, added Stepan. Not having any tents along makes it a poor business trying to keep off the rain if she should drop in on us. How about it, Thad? I reckon so. We're all of one mind there, remarked Bob White. Just as you say, boys, that announced. We'll turn in here and see if the farmer will allow us to camp in his barnyard. And maybe he might sell us a couple of fat chickens and some fresh milk or cream to go with our coffee. That would be about as fine as silk, I'm telling you, said Giraffe, who had rejoined his comrades, looking just the same as ever, rubbed his stomach as he said this, by that means implying that the prospect pleased him even more than words could tell. Accordingly, the line of march was changed. They abandoned the road and started up the lane that led to the farmhouse. A watchdog began barking furiously, and at the sound several people came out of the house and the big barn as well, so that while the scouts had clustered a little closer together, as though wishing to be ready for an attack, they knew there was now nothing to fear. Three minutes later and they were talking with the grizzled farmer, his good wife, a couple of girls, and the stout young hired help named Hiram all of whom were fairly dazzled by the sight of eight khaki-clad young fellows, some of whom carried shotguns, grouped in their dooryard. Thad explained that they were a patrol of Boy Scouts from Cranford, on a hike, and not having tents along with them, made bold to ask the farmer if they might sleep in his haymow, and cook their supper in the open space before the barns. There was something inviting about Thad Brewster's manner that drew most people toward him. That same farmer might have been tempted to say no under ordinary conditions, for he looked like a severe man, but somehow he was quite captivated by the manly appearance of these lads. Besides, he had doubtless read considerable about the activities of the scouts, and felt that the chance of hearing something concerning them at first hand was too good to be lost. I ain't got the least objection to you boys sleeping in my hay if you promise me not to light matches or do any smoke in there, he said. I'll look out for that, sir, replied Thad promptly, and we all promise you that there will be no damage done from our staying over. We will want to make a cooking fire somewhere, but it can be done at a safe distance from the barn and to leeward, so that any sparks will go the other way. And if so be you could spare us a couple of chickens, mister, put in Giraffe, we'd be glad to pay you the full market price, as also for any milk or cream or eggs you'd let us have. Oh, you can fix that with the missus, returned the farmer. She runs that end of the farm. I look after the crops and the stock. Now, if you wanted a 400-pound pig, I've got a beauty to offer you. Thanks awfully, returned Step Hen quickly, giving Giraffe, who was a big eater, a meaning look. But I reckon we're well supplied in that way already. Arrangements were quickly made with the farmer's wife, and under charge of the willing Hiram, who never could get over staring at the uniforms of the scouts with envy in his pale eyes, some of the boys gave chase to a couple of ambitious young roosters that were trying their first crow on a nearby fence, finally capturing and beheading the same. 
Thad, meanwhile, accompanied the good woman to her dairy and returned with a brimming bucket of morning's milk, as well as a pitcher of the thickest yellow cream any of them had ever gazed upon. The girls brought out some fresh eggs, and altogether the sight of so much riches caused Giraffe to smile all over. Giraffe was the acknowledged leader when it came to making fires, and that duty as a rule devolved upon him. He had made a particular study of the art, and in pursuing his hobby to the limits was able to get fire at his pleasure, whether he had a match or not. And in more than a few times in the past this knowledge had proven very useful to the tall scout, as the record in previous stories concerning the doings of the Silver Fox Patrol will explain. Accordingly, Giraffe had chosen to make a neat little fireplace out of smooth blocks of stone which happened to lie handy. This he had built at the spot selected by Thad as perfectly safe, for what little wind there was would blow the sparks in a direction where they could do no possible damage. When Hiram came back, he forgot all about any chores that might be waiting. Never before had he been given such a glorious chance to witness the smart doings of Boy Scouts. He observed everything Giraffe did when he made that cunning little out-of-doors cooking range, and noted that while the double row of stones spread wide apart at one end, just so the big frying pan would set across, they drew so much closer at the other terminus, like the letter V, so that the coffee pot could be laid there without spilling. Then Giraffe started his fire. Hiram noticed how he picked certain kinds of wood from the abundant supply over at the chopping block. Giraffe liked to be in the limelight, and he was also an accommodating chap. He saw that the farmhand was intensely interested, as well as quite green at all such things, but the fact of his wanting to know was enough to start the scout to imparting information. So he told Hiram how certain kinds of wood are more suitable for cooking purposes, since they make a fierce heat, and leave red ashes that hold for a long time, and it is over such a bed that the best cooking can be done, and not when there is more or less flame and smoke to interfere. Alan and Davy had been very busy plucking the fowls during this time, while Bumpus busied himself getting some fresh water from the well nearby, and fixing the coffee ready to go on the fire when Giraffe gave the word that he was prepared. One of the girls brought a loaf of fresh homemade bread, and a roll of genuine country butter that was as sweet as could be. Fancy with what impatience those boys waited while supper was being cooked. The odors that arose when the cut-up chicken was browning in the pan, along with some slices of salt pork, and the coffee steaming on one of the stones alongside the fire, made a combination that fairly set several of the fellows wild, so that they had to walk away in order to control themselves. Finally, the welcome signal was given by Bumpus, and never had those silver notes of the assembly sounded sweeter in mortal ears than they did that night in the barnyard of the Susquehanna farm, with the eight khaki-clad scouts sitting on logs, and any other thing that offered, and every inmate of the farmhouse gathered nearby to watch operations. They had a feast indeed, and there was plenty for everyone and to spare. Indeed, Hiram had accepted the invitation of Giraffe to hold off supper and join them, and the big fellow seemed to be enjoying his novel experience vastly, if one could judge from the broad grin that never once left his rosy face. After the meal was over, they found seats, and as the fire sparkled and crackled merrily, Thad told them all that he possibly could about the aims and ambitions of the scout movement. He found a very attentive and appreciative audience, and it was possible that seeds were planted in the mind of Hiram on that occasion 
calculated to bear more or less good fruit later on in his life. Of course, that had to explain to some extent why they were so far away from home, and this necessitated relating the story about the old army overcoat that had been turned over to a tramp through the desire of the judge's second wife to get rid of it. That, of course, only went so far as to say that the judge mourned the loss of an article which he really valued highly on account of its association with his only son's army life years before, and he made out such a strong case that those who heard the story could easily understand why the gentleman should wish to recover the garment again, if it were possible. None of them could remember having seen any party wearing such a coat, and it would seem that if the hobo had passed along that way, he might have applied at the farmhouse for a meal, though the presence of the dog usually deterred those of his kind from bothering the good farm wife. Guess they've got the chalk mark on your gatepost, mister, commented Stephen when he heard this. I've been told these hobos leave signs all along the way for the next comer to read. Some places they say are good for a square meal, then at another place you want to look sharp, for the farmer's wife will ring pies on you that are guaranteed to break off a tooth in trying to bite them. Now, like as not, there's a sign on your post that says, Beware of the dog, he's a holy terror. I hope there is, replied the farmer, and if I knew what it was, I'd see it got on every post I own, for if there's one thing I hate, it's a tramp. I've had my chickens stolen, my hogs poisoned, and my haymow out in the pasture burned twice by some of that worthless lot. They kind of know me by now, and that I ain't to be trifled with. The evening passed all too quickly, and when Stepan happened to mention that Bumpus was the possessor of a beautiful soprano voice, of course the country girls insisted that he entertain them. Bumpus, as has been remarked before, was an accommodating fellow, and he allowed himself to be coaxed to sing one song after another, with all of them joining in the chorus, until he was too hoarse to keep it up. Then they spied his lovely silver-plated bugle, and nothing would do but he must sound all the army calls he knew, which added to the enjoyment considerably. Taken in all, that was the most novel entertainment any of them had ever experienced, and especially those who lived in the lonely farmhouse. It must have been a tremendous and pleasant break in the monotony that usually hangs like a pall upon all farm work. No wonder at that thought, all of them looked so happy when they were bidding the boys good night and admitted that they had enjoyed the coming of the expedition greatly. Hiram could not be pried loose, as Giraffe said. He insisted on seeing all he could of these new and remarkable friends, and had announced his intention of accompanying the scouts to the hay and sleeping near them. No one offered the least objection. Indeed, by this time, after such an exhausting march as they had been through since sunup, all of them were pretty tired, and their one thought was to snuggle down in the hay with their blankets wrapped around them and get some sleep. Still cloudy and threatening, remarked Alan as he and Thad took a last look around ere turning in. Yes, it's holding off in a queer way, replied the other, but when it does hit us, look out for a downpour. I'd be glad if we ran on that wandering George before the rain starts in, because it'll be hard getting around when the whole country is soaked in a float. I'm told the river is already close to flood stage, owing to so much snow melting at headwaters, observed Alan. Yes, we had an unusual lot last winter, you remember. And when the weather turned actually hot a few days back, it must have started the snow melting at a furious rate. If we get a hard rain now, there'll be a whopping big flood all along the Susquehanna this spring. Everything seems all right around here, doesn't it? asked Alan, 
as he bent down over Giraffe's fireplace, with the caution of a hunter who knew how necessary it always is to see that no glowing embers have been forgotten that a sudden wind could carry off to cause a disastrous conflagration. I saw Giraffe throw some water over the coals, remarked Thad. He loves a fire better than anyone I know, but you never find him neglecting to take the proper precautions. Yes, it's cold to the touch. Let's hunt a place to bunk for the night, Ellen. With our blankets, a bed in the soft hay ought to feel just prime. Nine of them burrowed into the big haymow with all sorts of merry remarks and a flow of boyish badinage. Finally, they began to get settled in their various nooks and the talking died down until in the end no one said a single word, and already Bumpus and perhaps several others began to breathe heavily, thus betraying the fact that they had passed over the border of dreamland. That, of course, had more to think about than most of his mates, because as the patrol leader and head of the present expedition, he found problems to study out that did not present themselves to such happy-go-lucky fellows as Bumpus, Step Hen, Davy, and perhaps Giraffe. So Thad lay there for quite some time thinking and trying to lay out some plan of campaign to be followed in case the expected rain did strike them before they came up with the fugitive tramp. It was very comfortable, and the hay was sweet-smelling, so that even the fastidious smithy had not been heard to utter the least complaint, but had burrowed with the rest. Possibly he may have swathed his face as well as his body in the folds of his blanket in order to prevent any roving spider from carrying out the gypsy's evil prophecy, but if so, no one knew it, since all of them but Alan and Thad had made separate burrows. The young scoutmaster remembered that his thoughts became confused, and then he lost his grip on things. It seemed to him that his dreams must have been wonderfully vivid, for as he suddenly struggled up to a sitting position, he could fancy that he heard someone calling at the top of his voice. Then shrill screams and girlish tones added to the clamor. "'What's that mean, Thad?' demanded Alan, as he clutched the arm of his chum, at the same time sitting up. "'I don't know,' replied Thad shortly. "'There must be something wrong up at the farmhouse. "'The other fellows are stirring now.' let's crawl out of this in a big hurry, Alan. Both scouts made all haste to escape from the tunnel under the hay, kicking their way to freedom. No sooner had they gained their feet than they started out of the barn, for the haymow was under the shelter of a roof. Only too well did Thad know what was the matter when he burst from the door of the barn and saw that the darkness of the night was split by a glare from up in the direction of the farmhouse on the rise. Through the bare branches of the trees he could see tongues of flames. The house is on fire, Alan, he shouted. We must get all the boys out and do what we can to fight the flames. Hi, everybody on deck. Giraffe, Step Hen, Davy, and the rest of you. Hurry out here and lend a hand. You're wanted, and wanted badly into the bargain. End of chapter 5